It's, it's such a pleasure to be back here and to see a full house in anticipation of the third annual season. My panelists from uh, the far right, uh, from uh, your point of view of uh, this evening, Lee Ann Norman, uh, who is based now in Chicago. Um, she is a, a critic, an essayist. Um, I first um, became aware of her through an introduction of a fellow SVA uh, alum, my uh, former associate editor, Noah Dillon, brought her to the pages of Art Critical. She also writes for Hyperallergic and the Chicago Reader and is much in demand in Chicago and elsewhere as an exhibition catalog essayist. Um, Roberta Smith is the co-chief art critic of the New York Times. And Dennis Carden is a painter seen most recently at Fred Valentine Gallery here in Brooklyn and a, an art critic. Uh, he also uh, contributes uh, to the pages of Art Critical as well as Hyperallergic. Uh, we've seen him in the past in Art in America and elsewhere. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your panel. And I would just make a little technical appeal. If there's a seat next to you that's got your uh, backpack in it, do please put that on the floor. There I can see hungry, sad-looking faces that are, are, are contemplating the prospect of having to stand for, two, uh, for an hour and a half. Um, let's, let's all get comfortable physically so that we can make ourselves uncomfortable intellectually as we, <laughs> as we grapple uh, with the complexities of contemporary aesthetics. Great. So, uh, the first two shows we're going to look at are Kara Walker at uh, Sycamore Jenkins and um, Peter Saul at Mary Boone Gallery. Panelists, the beauty of these chairs, we can swivel around and see the videos ourselves. It seemed to me, I mean, when, when, we, when we pick the shows to, to cover, we just go with what panelists express interest about, what looks to be strong. Uh, there's no real attempt to curate things, and yet um, it's the sign of strong shows that they seem to naturally curate themselves into meaningful patterns. The phantasmagorical is um, a theme that surfaces uh, in all four of the exhibitions we'll be thinking about this evening. Um, in the first pairing, Saul and Carl Walker, um, applying a kind of wit, but wit and grit to events, historic and contemporary, um, visceral disturbance combined with technical dexterity, Holland Carter talks in terms of history painting for Saul. It occurs to me that certainly in, 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 in a classic sense, both of these artists could be called painters of historia, of history. But there's also this very strong impulse of the history of caricature, of cartooning, that um, unites the two. Let's start with Kara Walker. Dennis. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't gonna call on me first. <laughs> you must be brimful of things to say about 
Cara, where would you where would you like to see our discussion go on, Cara? Or how would you like? To well, there's this? a yeah, there's a couple things um, that I would like to think about, and um, the first one is sort of a, a ideas about uh, formal um, construction. <clears throat> um, I've you know I've seen Kara Walker's work ever since the first Drawing Center show, and um, I was an immediate fan. Uh, and one reason that I really like the work is that the way she dealt with ambiguity. I mean, one of my personal values is, in looking at art or thinking about art is this idea of ambiguity that allows a viewer to um, sort of become complicit with the imagination of, of the artists. And that's what I really found interesting about Kara Walker's black uh, silhouette pieces was that you had to sort of, by looking at them, discover you know, what was going on in them. And, uh, and in that discovery, it's your imagine, you have to take responsibility for your imagining them. And I was, after that, I was kind of disappointed in her like, going away from that, uh, responding, it seemed to me responding to certain kinds of criticism um, about, uh, you know, the caricature of, uh, of um, you know, just the way uh, black people were caricatured. And uh, I, I have found that when she's becoming very explicit in her drawing that it, it's, I'm, I feel more of a spectator to her imagination than a participant in her imagination, although there are some aspects of that. But, um, so that's sort of one area that I want to cover. And the other area is um, who is the audience? And I think that one of the big things right now in looking at art is that there is no um, cohesive idea of who an audience is. I remember uh, trying to write something about using the word we and realizing I don't know who we are anymore. I mean, it's so diverse. There's so many different kinds of values applied to that. So the idea of audience is, is another thing that I, I was kind of interested in talking about. Sorry if I went on too long. No, not at all. That's, that lays, lays very, very uh, back on the ground there. Um, Roberta, would, would you say that the history of caricature is a, is a good place to start with Carl Walker? It's one of the places to start. Mm-hmm. You know. Rowlandson and... Well, she's interested in various kinds of depiction of and, and sort of quasi-sympathetic, but not totally. She definitely wants an edge. So, you know, there were all kinds of degrees and, and sources. That, I mean, there's like one head that looks like it's out of the New Yorker on that mm-hmm. little side of... on the right, left side of... Uh, journalism Christ entering journalism Christ, Christ entering journalism and um, I, I think that it was she needed to break out of that regardless of what kind of response was, out of the silhouettes regardless of what kind of response there was because she just had to move on she mm-hmm. had to make some other kind of art. And with this show I, was, I found it very exciting because she moved into the present. She had a she, she's working in a time where she just cannot avoid the present, you know, and that was, and all those works were made this summer. Or the, so that's like mm-hmm. a, a, an interesting fact. 
and she kind of exploded her drawing techniques. And I think her drawing, for me, got a lot more interesting with just doing, you know, when an artist is, you look for development, you look for them actually figuring out something different to do physically. And that was very apparent to me, that she was drawing on both sides of, uh, using sumi ink on both sides of cut, some cut out figures, and just how to, how to keep the silhouette and make it different seemed to be one of her, uh, a challenge that she sort of knew about and faced in this show. Yes, and the way in which um, she extends some, to some, in, in a funny way, the, the logic of the silhouette to the yeah, like, convention of the cutout, taking her own earlier yeah. drawings, reconfiguring them in a, in a new space, and, and, and one sees figures that may have been generated without this final composition in mind yeah. being enlisted, uh, b being cast as in a dramatist person I ever. Well, the, you know, she, I, I'm pretty sure she's never worked on that kind of un raw brown linen before. Right. Um, the cutout of the, uh, the, the non, the kind of using the cutout as a, as a surface to draw on was new. And then there was that very large painting called the, of the Innocents. The um, yes, um, oh the the black one that was the innocent. Yeah, so she's taking the black silhouette and putting making them into a painting, which I don't know. It's interesting. It's just more physically substantial and weighty to me, so that even that that her signature thing can still have development. Yes, yeah, and you know you just. Walker is somebody who uses everything. There's nothing she doesn't use. You know, when you're looking at a work, every everything is some kind of a clue, some kind of point. Every physical thing she uses, she's brilliant at the way she uses titles. You know, she just kind of animates the entire form of a gallery show and then puts it in this really weird position. Like, I mean, that title is just... Christ entering journalism. No, no, not that one. The title of the uh, show is just like. Oh, oh, the title. You know, yes. we won't give it again. Don't worry. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the title of the show and the chutzpah of the statement um, and the the energy of the show are, are very cohesive, Leanne. Um, but something I actually liked about the show is this this panoply of technical possibilities within graphic media. Um, meant that it really was uh, a gallery show, not a museum show, even though it was attended like a museum show. I mean, the throngs of, of people, and clearly uh, with a diverse audience, uh, an audience not so used to going to commercial galleries, it was really exciting and refreshing to see the audience at her, her show. Um, but I loved the fact, actually, that this was a show of a summer of drawings, not... Um, one installation with a, a singular purpose and dramatic effect. Um, how how do you feel? Do, do, do you concur with with Roberta as to where she is with her development? But and also, do you, do you feel? Um, how do you feel she's packaging what she's doing now in terms of statements and titles and posture? Yes, I did appreciate the the form of the work. You know, there are many, um, you know, as Roberta and Dennis said, there are many themes that we've seen similarly in terms of the image and, um, you know, different topics that um, Kara Walker tends to explore and sort of mind. So, you know, the violence and, you know, gender issues and sexuality, things like that. Um, <laughs> 
race, obviously, and relationships. Um, and so it was really nice to see them sort of expanded or kind of um, uh, tweaked maybe a little bit. They felt really fresh. Um, but, you know, when I read the full statement again and sort of seeing them and seeing the images in relationship to the statement, um, I felt like there was a little bit of a dissonance. Um, I'm not, you know, I think on its own, the statement is really valid and I think needed. You know, um, I don't think that it's fair or, you know, how can Kara Walker speak for an entire group of people? You know, I think she's implying that sometimes criticism of her work has been, you know, that she isn't representing things in the proper way or, um, you know, her images are wrong in that sort of dichotomy. Um, but. I don't know, it didn't seem like that statement on its own, and then paired with the images, it didn't, it didn't really jive for me. I thought these are two sort of separate and valid things. Um, so when they were put together, you know, looking at the work in the gallery, reading the statement, um, I felt like she could have stopped perhaps after the first sentence of, you know, I don't feel the need to write a statement about a painting show. <laughs> I would think the end, that's great. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of distance for me reading that statement that was necessary, I think. Um, but then looking at the images in the show. Uh, Just to fill the audience in, this is a statement that she made on the uh, website and, and to accompany the exhibition, not the super long title I read out, but uh, a statement where she um, she says it, it she she's sick of people thinking she needs to speak on behalf of all women, all black artists, all artists dealing with difficult subject matter, um, and she spent quite a bit of time saying that she didn't want to spend time saying whatever she was saying. So that was. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but one feels the pain. I mean, um, uh, it's interesting how Kara Walker was uh, one of the first really prominent artists to come out in, in a, uh, a veiled yet subtle and specific um, solidarity with Dana Schutz um, in relation to the uh, open casket uh, controversy. Um, and she's an artist who has, through her career, uh, certainly at the outset of her career, faced concerted criticism from um, artists within the African-American community uh, who, who see her work as trading in negative stereotypes. Um, one of the drawbacks of continuing to, uh, one of the drawbacks, not drawbacks, but one of the things to think about for an artist who has sort of internalized uh, a language of um, um, an, an, an idiom of a vocabulary of uh, image um, and who's then experimenting um, with form is that uh, the image is sort of taken for granted uh, within this uh, diversity of form and then it, it can become you know the the violent scenes of, of, of rape and murder and uh, defecation and that sort of orgiastic um, uh, conception of the anti-bellum anti South just becomes a thing that Kara Walker does the way um, amoeba shapes floating in the air is the thing that Calder does, you know, the, a, a trademark um, concern. And that, that then has the, uh, a frisson of danger of a certain formalism, doesn't it? Um, is that something we worry about? Or I'm not worrying about it yet, but no. um, I think that... <laughs> 
then this show was interesting because I found it, it had more different... Some of her shows are incredibly coherent. They're, they're actually kind of works of art. And that was what was interesting about this. As you said, it, it was the work of, you know, a certain like time. Studios. Yeah. So I found that actually she, there, there are different kinds of um, aggressiveness in the work, and there are works that are not necessarily aggressive. I thought that her putting that image that you first started, started with of that black woman basically masturbating. With a snake, yeah. She put that by the door. Yes. You know, which was, you know, just like, okay. <laughs> got my attention. Um, and, but then I thought there were other things that were, you know, a subtlety, as she might have said. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think she's very complicated, and I kind of agree with what Luann's, Leanne's saying about the about the statement, but I can't, I also think there's a kind of, uh, almost like a little bit of irony in that, too, that, that, was, a per- mm-hmm. that was something of a performance. Exactly. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, mm. she is. She has been under this total pressure her mm. whole career. I don't. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody who's been, who's really gone through that. And so, okay, she could like sound off, mm-hmm. but she wasn't quite. You know, she was also sort of mocking, sort of mocking the situation, and then she sort of. You know, then again, she kind of hits it out of the park again. So it's like, okay, mm. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's very complex. Yeah, the ambiguity that Dennis was alluding to at the beginning is also the ambivalence of where she actually stands in relation to her own subject. Um, is that sort of, is that something that one can legitimately keep alive in perpetuity, or is, it, is there a point, Dennis, at which um, if you are trading in a particular kind of imagery, that um, your stance towards it has to has to clarify, has to become explicit. You, you know, I kind of think that what she does is she has, like, the pulse of a certain kind of life that takes place under the genteel structures of, you know, social interaction. So that behind the politics and stuff are these, like, you know, people doing these, like, really unsavory kinds of things and gratif you know there it's like a lot of people gratifying their own desires or thinking about gratifying their own desires or wanting to gratify their own desires underneath all of this other stuff um but there's as a painter i have to say that there's something disconcerting to me about I, like, I think that one of the things about painting is that a painter controls the flow of attention around, uh, around a work, of, uh, around a painting. And I found myself being very um, distracted constantly. I didn't really kind of, except in the, the black and white cutouts, which are the silhouettes, which sort of really had a whole thing and I could, f- I was flowing from one thing to another, I found that the flow in those other things was disconcerting to me. I, like, I didn't know where to look. There would be somebody pointing a gun, and you'd sort of look at where the gun was pointing, and then there wasn't anything. And I found there was a lot of, or that there was a flow of, of like, um, shades of uh, gray, like all the dark shades would form something and all the, but they, that was moving independently of the actual, people so um but 
you know, like I, I've gone to this show like three times and every time I had, you know, kind of a different, slightly different feeling and I would focus on, you know, certain things. And as far, I wanted to actually address one of the things that Roberta said um, about the expansion of what she was doing was I always kind of thought that there was more formal issues that she could, you know, address in those black and white silhouettes like the white was pretty much usually the ground and the black and this time she had a couple things where the, there was a white on a black ground but not where the ground itself became an image sometimes there was but I've always sort of thought like you know why not explore that more but you know I, she'll get around to it <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sure, and I, like, I, like... Also, she's, uh, the restraint of silhouette is uh, that the, there's, a, there's a gain from, from the loss. I mean, so not doing what you're talking about, that integration of figure and ground, um, is, is linked to wanting the very specific dichotomy and dynamics that come from the, the cutout I, phenomenon. I also wanted to say, I mean, she is an incredible drafts person. I mean, I think that if you look closely at things like, you know, in that one that Roberta talked about with the masturbating woman, the way she had this finger like biting down on, on her finger was like incredible or the way that hands will be grasped around things. And, and I, I love those things. I've felt that the way that she puts after, you know, when it when you're talking about these um, cut out drawings and arranged around, I, I just found that I, I lost that focus. I found myself constantly looking at little areas. In fact, the last time I was there, I was taking a picture of, it was the Brand X slave uh, market thing, and I was like taking a picture of little things that were linked, and, and a woman came up to me and said, can I ask you why you're taking close up and not of the whole thing. And it was, I realized it was because I didn't have a big vision of the whole thing. I was really following these interesting little kind of side areas. So yeah. that's. I think that's part of the their power or magic for me that there are, there's so much detail and that there's not like one sort of narrative that she's creating, but there's all this action or you know all of these little details you know in sort of like every part of the the image. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that kind of really makes it powerful for me that she you know she's dealing with these difficult subjects, but she's not sort of telling me where to go with them or how to feel about them because all of this stuff is happening there. So I. I kind of appreciate, actually, that there's not a focus in these really large scenes with all of this, you know, violent, sexual, um, chaotic craziness happening. Yeah, I totally, uh, I totally agree with that. They're murals. I think that uh, that's part of the point mm. now that she's sort of left part of what she's exploded. And, and in some ways, coming into the present, the work is hotter, and she's just going to... And, and it's so, sort of the way we are right now. It's like, okay, this, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And like in the, uh, Christ enters into journalism, across the back, it's like pale, and that's sort of in the past. You know, there's like all these different points being made, but I think that's absolutely what she's after, and that she does want us to, to kind of fragment our experience. Yeah. And to confuse us. And, uh, mm. and I also think that that's 
only happening in those three big works, mm -hmm. that there's, there are other kinds of mm. focus or order or whatever. It, it seems that the, the degree of gestalt and order is uh, very specific to each work. Yeah, it changes a as, lot. As mm -hmm. are the mediums. And in fact, the, the two that seem to invite almost the closest um, attention to uh, um, detail are are the ones that are actually the most painterly. The uh, Brand X market is made in oil stick, and so that it, it does have um, a very strong graphic component. It, it fits the criterion of drawing in that sense, but it is very a very painterly kind of drawing. And the one in the in the foyer, Spook, I think it's called, well, yeah. one with the, the masturbating woman and the snake in, in, the, in the foreground, or the, at the base, um, that really just is a painting. It's so lush and so... Um, so that's the one opposite it. But, yes. you know, it's funny. The brand... One of the things that I think I liked about the Brand X um, painting was this... It all took place in a unified landscape so that all these things, even though they were... Yeah. Um, so that there was a, like a foreground and, and a background and this little ship in the background. But it, the structure... The structure kind of held all these little disparate moments together. It's a and picture. It works as a picture. Right. And I, I'm not saying that I don't find like th these struggles exciting, but I still think of the work right now as more of a trend. I, I think she's like coming to grips with how is she going to structure all of these things. And I don't think that she's, maybe you're right, maybe there is no, you know, like, idea about structure maybe the chaos of it is is you know what we should expect but um well it doesn't it's not a question of structure versus chaos necessarily it's a question of um a very complex a narrative that's more like a novel and less like a picture in in that if these are friezes or murals or someone could even think of them as being like ceilings like a, by a tiepolo or somebody that it's um if, even if there is some organizing principle there's um, such a lot, such a, a, an accumulation of local incidents that one can, one can read this picture more like a novel than, I mean, with, you know, subplots and other character developments going on. Is that sort of what you were thinking, Leanne, or were you thinking more in terms of um, frustrating, easy narratives on unresolvable situations? It's also more of a political or a um. structural approach to this. Yeah, no, I I think um, it's definitely more about like how to how to read it as mm -hmm. sort of a novel or story with characters. I didn't um, I didn't feel personally. I think looking at them um, as a sort of frustration of you know the chaos or the um, the difficult things to look at. I think it just um, I don't know. I, I was just drawn in, and you know, it, in the same way that you were kind of taking. Um, you know, photos of little bits and pieces like that, that just sort of felt right to me. Of This is how, you know, this is how this, this particular narrative, this story, this freeze, however we want to look at that image, um, that's how it is, that's how it should be. I, I realize that I have a, a kind of minority opinion, not just on the panel, but in, you know, in general in, in that, but I'm very cons I'm very interested in structure and the way images relate to each other and you know it, it's like yes I like going from one thing to the other but I mean one little uh, detail to another but I thought well then it could be you know 
there's no beginning or end to, to those things. It just happens to be a great big thing. Whereas, uh, I mean, to me, again, the Brandex thing was the most um, satisfying of those things because even though different things were happening that were completely, you know, bizarre, like uh, there was a, you know, a figure in a, like, riot outfit or possibly a umpire, you know, outfit next to a woman whipping, uh, you know, another woman that was tied down looking at this little head, you know, that was either buried in the sand or just an extra head. So there was... But with that structure allowed me the into the fantasy of how I was looking at it, and that just seemed more satisfying to me. Fantastic. I think, well, certainly when we open it up briefly to the, uh, shortly to the um, audience, um, we're bound to have some more diversity of opinion. It's, um, uh, the differences on the panel are um, fractional ones in uh, how to negotiate changes and ways of reading images rather than taking on the um, the actual morality or politics of um, her vision of humanity. Maybe that will come from audience <laughs> members. Um, but let's, let's now proceed, and if we could have the second loop of slides, please. Let's move to our second exhibition. Um, while Kara Walker... Um, Kara Walker, even when she was in the 18th or 19th centuries, was very much, I think, about the here and now. Um, Peter Saul um, is unabashedly um, confronting the issues of uh, the 45th presidency, of um, global warming and our changing policies towards it. Um, and yet his uh, imagery is as um, as luridly surreal and strange and idiosyncratic as as anything that Kara Walker comes up with arguably um, what do we what do we make of Peter Saul's vision Leanne what do you feel um, I think it's it's difficult because you know um, 45 is such a polarizing figure and um, you know it's it's I think it's really difficult to um, obviously you know Saul is um, working you know satirically politically obviously because you know there are images of Trump in the work but um, but I think I, I'm, I'm just not so sure that it works for me because he's so polarizing and you know it's either like, you know, childish caricature or, you know, great man doing a good job. And there's like, um, I think because of that sort of dichotomy that we have in terms of uh, popular culture of how we sort of see this person, um, I wanted something maybe a little more nuanced or something more in the middle. Um, and, you know, because of the, I think the images that Saul is working in, I'm, you know, kind of riffing off of doodles and cartoons and sort of, you know, the um, sort of pop style um, in a sense that it just, um, it just didn't feel really effective to me. I just kind of felt like, ah, okay, there's Trump in some paintings or there are ducks in these paintings. Um, 
But I think, you know, formally, um, I like what he's doing. I just, you know, I'm not so sure that the politicalness of it uh, is very effective right now. Is it because it's preaching to the choir? You have to go into the gallery in absolute uh, foaming at the mouth hater of Donald Trump? Or is it that... um, is it that it's not finding a way to understand his appeal? Yeah, I think, right, it just it feels very simple in a sense because, you know, he's um, caricatured. You know, he's like, uh, there's one image where he's sort of, you know, I don't know, doing something with his hair. Or, you know, there's one where he's sort of this, uh, you know, kind of animal dragon sort of thing. And I think those are very much in the realm of, um, you know, I'm not taking this person seriously. He's a, you know, whatever, a clown whatever you know on that side of the mm-hmm. the realm so i don't know i think i wanted something a little bit more nuanced i guess um to get out of that polarization more outraged or um not i don't know if outrage is actually what i wanted just something that's not not i don't know not the caricature i think whether it's the you know good man caricature or it's the childish clown caricature i wanted something else Yes, Roberta, I mean, uh, Peter Saul... Well, I didn't... Oh, uh, I was going to ask specifically that Peter Saul um, uh, came of age as an artist in response to Vietnam. It's, it's Vietnam that clarified his, his language and his style and his, his mode, isn't it? Um, is, is, um, is something of the energy of that... Of, do, do you see these as images of protest? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I ag- I mean, I just had this gut. Re- I don't think he did Trump very well. You know, I think he, he could have. I didn't. Uh, just going on a, in a purely pictorial way, which is not to say abstract, but I don't think that Trump worked as an element in those paintings. And maybe for some of the reasons that you mm-hmm. s- specify, I hadn't th- thought that far. But I just thought, you know, he, he, some of these. He's looking for subjects, mm-hmm. and he's always looking to have a certain kind of relevance to what's going on, and to, and in a way, to kind of outrage us or offend us. Mm-hmm. And it's almost a kind of shtick, and you just have to, you know. And, and I think it's a career that he could seem very much the same, but they're actually he actually goes up and down in quality a lot. And that's, how I, that's sort of how I felt about this show. I, the only painting I really liked was the global warming painting, and I also liked the blue boy. <laughs> but I thought it was, you know, P- Peter Saul doing very good versions. Well, I, I actually really don't like the Trump paintings as things. Mm-hmm. I just don't think, I, I don't know whether because it's too recognizable and um, I don't want to look at him. Mm-hmm. Do you know, or, or he hasn't done, and he didn't do enough with it either, in terms of meaning or as an image. But, but I also think, I mean, I mean, I do think that's the case because I think that was the closest in the whole show that he got to photography, and that might not be a good place for him to go. Hmm. You know, I, I was surprised how, reason. I mean, one recognizes it as Trump, and therefore doesn't like it if one doesn't like Trump. But actually. Trump himself does a better job of, of presenting a caricature of himself than <laughs> Peter Saul. It seems to me that uh, I, my objection, Dennis, was that uh, Trump came off too light in some of these images. Um, you know, I, I really agreed a lot with Leanne and, and Roberta's take on it. And then 
I was kind of looking at one of the um, pictures that I had taken of it and just like all these things happening and with Trump and shooting himself in the head and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, this isn't really about Trump. It's about the way I feel after listening to MSNBC for four hours. You know, it's like this just constant, like, Gosh. you know, different different ideas and different caricatures and different things and people just talking and, you know, like getting up your, you know, lampooning broadly something and then being very specific about something else. So if if I had to say the best thing about it was that it really seemed to capture that feeling of just utter confusion in a TV, like in a television way, because mm -hmm. it's all framed in like very dynamic colors and everything is, you know, very polished and stuff like that. So there's this polished thing and this like weird thing. And I, that's, that's the, the best thing I can say about my reaction. I, that was my physical reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's somebody in, in all his work who um, seems intent upon inducing a certain nausea uh, with the, uh, uh, the, the color, uh, the uh, scatology, um, um, and um, the brashness, one could say. Um, that it, it, um, at the same time, I, I'm conscious often in Peter Saul, but not necessarily in this present show, um, of an artist who, even within caricature, protest, um, and, a, and, a, and a kind of surrealism, uh, uh, has an essentially abstract sensibility or ambition, um, uh, a desire, strangely enough, to make formally coherent paintings. Um, I, I, I found myself a, a, little bit as, a little bit lost, as I think as the rest of us are. Um. Well, I think that he failed. There's a lot of, there's a fair amount of formal failing in that show. Yeah. Do you know where you're not, I mean, there's some kind of ratio that he gets between subject, color, and surface. And he, it, he just doesn't maintain it in that show for me. Right, I, I, mostly the works of this year, of the last 12 months. I'm curious whether you think that the lack the utter lack of sexuality in the show compared to Kara Walker that had sexuality as sort of the drumbeat behind everything makes this feel a little like empty or something. It's like a very, it's not even a guy kind of painting. It's a very like, you know, um, Three Stooges kind of painting. <laughs> <laughs> They're guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, it's a kind of guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I had. I don't have something to anything. To anything redeeming to say about this show? No, I just. Don't, <laughs> I, I don't have a response to what he said. But um, the sexual lack of sexuality in these paintings. I mean, th this degree of color and viscera and sheer nastiness ought to have at least a sadomasochistic appeal, don't you? Think? <laughs> so, um, um, and does it? Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, that was well, my... I mean... It could be that we're all in the wrong place, because by bizarre coincidence, Peter is actually lecturing about his own work this evening <laughs> right. um, in Manhattan. You, any borough you go to in New York City, you'll find 
Peter Sauls on the screen at this minute. But um, uh, it seems that we've, we're drawing a blank. We're drawing a, a, there's no short straw, as it were, on the panel as, as far as this particular show is concerned. I, um, it, it's um, a flummoxing show, I think, for me. The thing is, it's like I wanted, I wanted to like it. I mean, he has all the kind of heroic things of like an older man finally, you know, uh, in the art world, kind of on the margins, finally getting pushed to the center and stuff like that. And they're all like really laudable things. So I want, you know, I kept looking for something to make me really like it. But um, and I don't know if you're supposed to like it, actually. It's supposed to be kind of like repellent. Well, it, Yes, that's the masochistic thing. You you like being repelled. So, <laughs> um, but, but but no, you're no seriously. I mean, there's plenty in Kara Walker that we should be repelled by, and I think some of us usually are a bit repelled by something going on there. Um, so, um, but but it's a question of the sublime, isn't it? That uh, the sublime puts you in that deeply uncomfortable place where you're ambivalent about your own responses to something that you do and know that you ought to hate, and yet you find a lurid fascination draws you into it, and something in the dispatch or some deep um, well of emotion that is tapped by that imagery uh, puts you into that interestingly awkward place and i think well, it, Cara you know, it, does that and Saul it, doesn't. it doesn't actually make you hate trump you know it mm. just makes you feel ambivalent like you know that's just a clown i mean it, there's nothing in those images that go i really that's really how i feel about but donald I think trump even on the other side like, but there's nothing that makes you feel like you know oh i should look at him in a different way they're just there like there's it doesn't mm. do anything it's just these images of trump looking silly or you know these caricatures but they yeah like it just doesn't do much more than that and the juxtaposition with americana makes you feel that perhaps the artist and by participating in this culture by looking at these you are are kind of patronizing um the, the white working class male of Ohio or, or Wisconsin who gave us our 45th president because it's after all their culture, the hamburgers and the whatevers, that um, are, are collaged together with the visage of Donald Trump. What, what do you think the ducks signify for you? I mean, it's probably something he's Donald. used. Huh? Oh, Donald. Donald right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> okay, light bulb moment. Well, I think that's uh, a, a, a good moment to, to bring in our audience. I'm very much hoping that to get uh, an indignant trashing of Kara Walker and an equally indignant uh, uh, support for Peter Saul, but it's uh, not a moderator's uh, job to either demand that of his panelists or of his audience. So. Um, your comments, your responses to, to where the conversation is going. Matt has the mic. There he is. Um, but um, let's, um, let's take it as it comes. Mixing, we can mix up Saul and uh, Walker as, as um, they, they both put us in similar territory. So um, any responses, any comments, any feelings to share? Yes, back row. Great. And do please wait for the mic. That's, that's cool. Thank you. Thanks so much for the presentation. I'm so sorry. I don't think it's on yet. Can you? Yeah. 
Just hold it a little bit closer. Can you hear me now? No. Mm-mm. Can you hear me now? Mm-mm. Okay, going back. Oh, thank you. Um, going back to the first segment, and um, I'm thinking of Raphael and the perspective of the steps and the tiles and so forth. The first segment. Carl Walker. Right. And the, the history of perspective, and it, 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 just, it just clicks into my brain, Raphael and that perspective of the tiles and leading up to the steps, and, and I think it's the 12 apostles, and, and what you have to say with, um, with the juxtaposition of then the Renaissance, really, and, and, and that beautiful mural, um, that's what what clicks into my mind's eye. The, the the history of going from one into modern history and modern art, and and that perspective, literally the perspective. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, towards the front. Yeah. Thank you. Clintel, it'll be you. Um, thank you. Uh, I saw the Kara Walker show today, and to be honest, um, I was a little disturbed, and not in a good way. Um, I think there's something that's wrong with our society, and I think that we have somehow glorified this view of African Americans, and we almost put a pressure, I feel like, in our society for African-Americans to bring up this type of visual uh, dialogue. And I feel like I've seen this so many times. And I feel like being African-American in this society and being born and raised in America, I feel like as an African-American male, I'm always trying to out be that stereotype. I'm trying to be better than that Negro with the big lips. Or I'm trying to be more than the person who I know from slavery who was lynched and beat and murdered and killed and hung, I want to feel like there's something more and there's a hope for my community and my people and the generation coming after me. And I feel like when I look at Kara Walker's work, it's just a cashing out and and something that we're ready for. And I feel like America and most intellectuals feel bad about slavery, so they're like, oh, this is great art because now we can see the black experience. But to me, that's not the black experience anymore. Maybe it was 100 years ago, but for me to look at that in 2017, it really, bothers me and I'm deeply, I can't say I'm offended because I I, I believe that artists should express themselves and we should all create things that we feel like need to be said. But I feel like I've seen that image too many times. And I obviously feel the opposite of the of the other guy because Peter Saul, because I feel like the Donald Duck and the way that he actually did paint Trump, it resonated with me more. And I felt that there was something even though it was cartoonish and, and, and kind of crazy, this time is crazy. And a lot of the things that Trump has said have been totally off the wall. They've made no sense. And somehow those paintings kind of mirror that, that this is kind of this cartoon time that we live in. So I actually, and, and, and the only last thing that I'm gonna say is on, on the artist level, the way that he communicates with form and space and all these things, I think he's much more on a higher level than what Kara Walker did. I feel like those things are almost like 
you know, blown up figures that, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm not saying, I think the silhouettes when they first came out in 95, I was actually living in Chicago and I remember that time and I feel like they did have some power, but to see it now, I'm almost just let down. Okay. That's an opinion. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, well, I did ask for two things from you. Got them. Clintel Steed, who's a fabulous painter, by the way. You can read a, an interview with him by me in artcritical.com if you want to hear more of his voice. Um, seems to have hit some nails on, on the head. Um, but let's not end the conversation there. Let's have more. Yes, uh, middle row here, Anna. Uh, I think. Uh, or should I just leave it to you, Matt, to find people and. Yeah, there's, there's a hand in the middle row here. Yeah. If you stand, actually, if you stand, then person, uh, that's a good thing. Thank you. Unfortunately, I don't agree. <laughs> I felt that, well, first of all, I, I felt that visually what she was doing, she uses so many materials in such a sophisticated and intelligent way. Everything that she uses has a meaning behind it. Um, some of the paintings that you didn't talk about in the back room that were round, they were like tar and feather. I mean, they were black and they were covered and things were covered with tar, like a black paint that looked like tar. And then when she uses these huge images, it was like a screen to me which was uh, referring back to me to Gone with the Wind and so many of the cinema and movies and all the things that are going on in movies and the background things that are happening in movies and have happened and the visuals that we've been living with for many generations over and over. And she's busting them all out in a very violent and aggressive way. She's not... She's opening up the closet and saying, look, here are all the fucking demons. <laughs> and they're in there, and if we don't let them out, and we don't look at them, then we can't move on. And unfortunately, I don't think that we are in a place where we have looked at them enough, or talked about them enough, or dealt with these things enough, the women's issues, or the black issues, or the slavery, or any of it. I mean, look at what just happened in Virginia. Look what's happening in our country. If we don't look at these things and deal with them, and I'm not just talking about the racial issues, I'm talking about the feminist issues as well. We have a president who's talking about grabbing women's pussies. I mean, really? This is something that we still are dealing with. It's not something that we've overcome in any way. And I think if anybody speaks about it as eloquently as she does, then it's okay with me. Okay. So can I, I just wanna respond to one thing with that. Um, it makes me think of your question earlier, Dennis, about audience. And you know, you say that we are still dealing with that. I'm going to ask you, who is we? <laughs> who is familiar with looking at these images and who needs to keep looking at them? I think it kind of goes back to your, um, your <laughs> original point about um, how they made you feel and how you were like, we're done with these. So that's, I think, you know, this question of audience in terms of, um, you know, the images that Kara Walker is making, 
who is coming to the gallery, um, who is consuming these images, I think this question of audience becomes a really important question again. You, you know, when uh, the night that it opened, I was walking by, I was thinking of, I was gonna go to the opening, but there were like, you know, it was impossible to even get in. Just the stream of people coming out made it impossible. But as I was walking by, there was uh, a group of young African-American women standing around a car, and one of them was saying, well, she's not speaking to us. And first of all, I didn't know that she was talking about Kara Walker. She could have been talking about anything, but it was right in front of the Kara Walker show. And I thought it was A, interesting that I thought she was talking about Kara Walker. And B, that it goes to like, well, who, like, who is she speaking to? And why is she not, who is the us? And, you know, if it's, I mean, you, liked it in Clint, uh, in Clintel, Clintel? Clintel, yeah. Clintel had the opposite reaction and it, 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 it's become like this very personal thing. People are reacting on a personal level, but I don't think there is a we a anymore, uh, you know. I do think in fairness that when Anna Delgado, uh, the lady in the middle of the hall, talked about we are still dealing with it, I think she means everyone alive in 2017 and uh, who's an American citizen is still dealing with sexism and racism. And I think, I think that's, uh, that's not, she's not necessarily talking about uh, the art audience. She's, she's talking about uh, society. Is that, that, that's correct, isn't it, Anne? Yes, yes. But I, uh, on my multiple visits to the gallery, um, I, I couldn't find a time when it wasn't throng, filled with a throng of people. And... Um, on Saturdays, uh, I went a couple of Saturdays, the, uh, the number of very well-dressed, uh, interestingly dressed, like avant-garde, well-dressed uh, African-American people um, was pretty inspiring. And I, I'd say that, um, and, and the, the vibe in the room was one of, we're looking at something that's a, that's a cultural event, something of significance, one of our community doing something important. And it, it felt what I imagined to be, have been the vibe around um, seeing the dinner party when it was first touring the country and, and going to regional centers that uh, wouldn't have seen so much avant-garde art until that moment. You know, I, I think that one of the things that makes things art is a contention over what it represents to different people. And I think that it seems to me, whatever I might have thought about formal things or anything like that, the fact that there is a, a contention about it, um, m to me, makes it r really strong. I mean, it's, it's like obviously hitting some place that people are not really sure whether it should be representing this or whether it does represent this. Or, I think that that is like a really good, you know, sign that it's yeah. doing something. Let's take one or two more comments from, from the audience before moving on to, to part two. Yes, there's quite a few hands on this side, Matt. Um, uh, lady in the third row, stand when Matt comes towards you and then he'll know that it's you and we'll hear you better if you stand, if you don't. Correct me if I'm wrong, but at the Kara Walker show at the one main piece, she had a part of the imagery. She had Trayvon Martin. It was like a hooded head on a platter and she had a figure that I believed was Colin Kaepernick. So is that the first time that she's been including present day imagery with her past? I think that's quite powerful. Yes, I think it is, and I think it is. So, yeah. Uh, there was a hand earlier. Uh, um, yes, uh, 
with our new hands. Just walk towards the back and you'll get. What strikes me is one of the first things that you said was that the work didn't have, Carol Walker's work didn't have a formal way of, you couldn't proceed in it. And one of the things that you said was the work was done in a summer. And the word cashing out, when it got to that, made a great deal of sense to me. And then when you got to the soul work, I thought to myself, well, everybody tells you that political work, modern political work, is something that is very daring to do, because it's gonna date in 20 seconds. And I thought the fact that he turned that into cartoon and gave it that gloss and basically turned it into an antique comic book was really very brave. Great, thank you. And, and the gentleman behind, yes? Uh, my problem with this um, panel, I mean, not the panel, but the discussion tonight is, I don't really, I'm not convinced about any connection between Peter Saul and Kara Walker. I actually think it's a very thin, uh, or it's really not a connection. He paints caricatures uh, by way of comics uh, and tries to make up a political statement. Uh, uh, whereas Kara Walker is uh, referring to caricatures, caricatures that have been insulting and uh, denigrating. And in her case, I think she's uh, really painting about uh, the hurt that she may feels uh, from all of that. And I don't think she's making a political statement as much as a personal statement. So I think they're very, very different uh, artists with uh, different uh, intentions. And, uh, you know, so I don't think that she's a political artist in my case. I think she's actually talking about her personal reactions and how these, uh, you know, caricatures from the past, uh, they're denigrated to, you know, African-Americans have now, are still in the present, basically. She's, in other words, she's uh, continuing to feel whatever emotional hurts she had into the present. So I, I don't, but I don't think it's a political uh, statement. Okay. Uh, Thank you, thank you. We've got room for one more. Um, one more, yeah, just, just the lady behind you there. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think they're very connected, and I think it, I wish we'd gone back to where David began, because the term caricature has been tossed around loosely. Um, caricature is a real, specific, politically formed notion for a corrective for you to kind of laugh at, so that you point at something, you distill and exaggerate form in order to make a corrective in society. That's the history of where caricature comes from. And so the, the notion of the connection is true. I think in both cases, they are confusing what they're distilling so that the images are flying around but there's not enough specificity to understand what the critique actually is in all cases and what is the way we're supposed to correct our behavior moving forward. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a huge history of, you know, through Bergson of, of how caricature is used. And I think it's really key and formal. And uh, I'm, I'm with Dennis, the formal is important here. And um, I think Kara is, is not using it well through all the work, and I think Peter Saul is barely using it. He's mostly um, cartooning, which has nothing to do with the notion of caricature. Right. Cool. Well, let's move to part two and see if the energy and the rigor continue with... Um,
Come la gasto. Good. Oops. So we can have our second video, please, uh, team. Great. Okay. Nice. Thank you very much. Um, a moment to thank our wonderful, able, capable projectionists and support staff here at the Brooklyn Public Library, which makes it such a joy to be here. And also to thank all the staff at the galleries who've been so supportive with that. Providing images and uh, distributing cards and all the sorts of things that we love our galleries for doing when they do them. Great. So, um, yeah, Joanne Carson, The Fragility of Glass Flowers. Um, it's it's the, the penalty you pay for your uh, preeminence, Roberta, that you find yourself quoted 16 years later when you come to a panel um, on Bro in Brooklyn. Um, how do you feel this artist has um, developed in the interim? Where, where, do you, where do you feel? Where do you feel in relation to her? What do you feel in relation to her present show? Um, I thought her show was good, but I thought it was familiar, and that it sort of fits within a certain genre of painting that's looking at cartoons, looking at uh, you know American modernism, Birchfield, different different kind of rendering. What I really like, I like the color. I do think they have a lot of personality and individual personality within the forms. And I think the scale is, for me, that's the thing that she's really got right, that she has something that's really kind of obstreperous and strange going with just the size of things. And I, the sculpture is something she's done before. I, mm. I remember really liking a kind of a pink version of this one. So I wasn't so interested in that. I was just in, I was interested in that she'd kind of gotten something about the sculpture into the paintings. Mm -hmm. But I, I think they're like really hard working paintings, but they, they, they haven't quite pushed into something where I think they're t completely personal. Yes. The sculptures are, um, uh, are something that are like an obsessive labor that, that are, uh, one can see their all-consuming nature in 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 the the, the scale and um, p complexity of them. I mean, the technical complexity of them, um, uh, and yet they don't. They never seem to me quite to be really sculpture. Um, Dennis, what what was your feeling of the relationship between the the sculptural component and her paintings and and the the, the artifice and scale issues? Um, the you know that's. <laughs> It's weird seeing them projected because it it, ha it has a very sort of different effect in the gallery and and it's also I think complex criticizing this in, in with the background of so many like you know established um, artists I I liked the um, I liked a lot of the individual paintings I thought there was a lot of derivative stuff it reminded me a, a lot of tip dunham and um carol dunham and uh judy lanaire's uh and i thought they were really well done the painting was like beautiful uh, frankly she showed me pictures of her garden in vermont mm. which was like incredible i mean 
without seeing those, it sort of, I mean, seeing that all the labor that she'd done over the past 10 years structuring this garden, this real sculpture, um, was, you know, kind of disconcerting in, yes. in this thing. And also the, the space was sort of too small to contain these paintings and, you know. Well, that can, be a, that can be a magnetic, uh, that can, having a space that's too small for your work can be like the Magritte painting where you've got those giant uh, shaving <laughs> brush in, in the bedroom. I mean, it, it can actually be uh, galvanizing, energizing. Um, if um, there's really, in, in a way, no space that's too big or too small for a great painting. Um, uh, Leanne, what do you make of this artist? Um, so this is my first real encounter with her work. Um, I didn't know very much before, and so learning about her and kind of understanding that, you know, this is a, a return in some ways because she had a moment where she was just sort of making the sculptures, and now she's, um, you know, advanced to the garden and making the paintings again. I think that um, I felt a little bit of the same in terms of the uh, the space and the the scale of you know the paintings and the big sculpture um, but I really liked how she used color I just mm. really yeah. um, you know it just I think it kind of uh, like that's the thing that kind of grabbed me and sort of um, made them uh, just made them more interesting in terms of you know this is a painting in a particular kind of style but I really liked her use of color like that was the most um, uh, that really grabbed me it's a very um, knowingly synthetic color, isn't yeah. it? And mm -hmm. it's um, uh, the 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 artifice is is almost um, 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 it, it's playing with a, a kind of nausea, but uh, it, it's playing with a kind of saccharine quality uh, to to get um, uh, a heightened pleasure. It's an interesting differential between. Um, her sickliness of color and Peter Saul's in that there doesn't seem to be any caricatural or antagonistic intent in uh, the high artifice of her chroma. It seems to be, um, but it does nonetheless seem to want to take us to a strange place. You know, it, it seemed also that I didn't really think that much about nature Per se, I thought more about the artifice of. Yeah, I thought of somebody building on Disney or something. You yes. Know, what, yeah. What can you there, do with yeah. that? Can you make it more immediate? And I, d I do agree. I think the color is good. Really, yeah. Really has real heat. I mean, some of them did have like a drama to them. They were like, you know, a division of night and day, and mm -hmm. these forms looked like they were squaring off to, you know, um, do, you know, some kind of battle with each other. Uh, but again, it was like hard. It was sort of hard to sort of separate out different things. The sculpture was, you know, massive and kind of In your really cool to mm -hmm. look at. And then there were some drawings on the side. It was, you know, was, mm. I would have liked to have seen it in a, you know, more paintings in a bigger space or something like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it seems irresponsible when uh, so much of the onus of our series here is to really focus on um, a show as a thing in itself and yet I, I having the glimpse that I had of, of her, her garden in Vermont made me feel that um, uh, that's something that somehow the 
somehow the world needs to learn about this garden. There's, there's, there's something, <laughs> it seems that the lessons of, this, of, of her paintings and sculptures have been applied in a most um, bizarre and, uh, no pun intended, fruitful way to this um, very way out, very... Um, uh, eccentric. Synth- eccentric, synthetic, um, uh, and yet hardy, thought-through um, botanical intervention. So you never know. Uh, technologies change and there'll be maybe new ways to see a garden and place that within our experience <coughs> of this artist. So we go from uh, um, her garden that we, uh, the, the few of us know uh, in Vermont. I've never been there, but I've just seen photographs of it. If we could now go to Chris Ophelia as our final uh, show of the evening. It's the garden from which we've all been banished. Um, <coughs> And, and here we are in a very interesting <coughs> circular arrangement with our, our first <coughs> exhibition in that um, ostensibly this does not seem to be um, an exhibition uh, that uh, touches specifically on um, contemporary politics or on... Um, issues of gender or race um, and yet uh, actually uh, I don't think we have to dig too deep do with we with the uh, with the fencing and with the um, denials and with the chronophobia uh, to to realize that um, issues of issues of otherness issues of color issues of um, division and exclusion are very much at play in this show. Um, the politics, are they subtle or heavy-handed, Leanne? Mm, I think it was a little too heavy-handed for me. Um, you know, I think, to paraphrase, one of the, the issues or themes that, you know, I think he's trying to explore in this show is, you know, is, you know, in a sense, is the song sweeter if you are free or if you are, you know, caged or held in by constraints? And um, I felt all that we got visually really was the constraint. And I wonder what would be the possibilities if, you know, one of those paintings or something was on the outside of the chain link fence or something. Um, you know, and they're, they're already, I think, very, um, you know, working in that the particular style, it's like, you know, very, uh, dense and sort of, you know, graphic and monochrome, um, and then sort of having them filtered, mediated again, you know, through the chain link fencing. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I think it would have been interesting for me to have some, at least one thing, I think, kind of um, outside of that very um, literal sort of cage. (laughs) Yeah, it does something very strange to, the, the status of the paintings uh, to not be allowed fully to see them. There's all kinds of rumors swirling about the, the price of the paintings and how nobody's allowed to get any... It's not a rumor, I actually... It's a fact. <laughs> I know, it's a fact. But it's, uh, yeah, you, 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 uh, you, uh, they cost what they cost. And um, you, um, you can't 
you have to buy them f with the same view as the audience. Yeah, you don't get special. to go in. You the can't sneak cage. into the cage at night and uh, <laughs> um, luxuriate in front of these paintings. But in a way, they're they're conceptual talismans about painting, aren't they? I mean, and I don't think one necessarily loses that much by. I, I happen to love his paintings, um, uh, but I don't feel deeply cheated by the experience of these four paintings because um, they are sculptural objects about painting rather than paintings. In fact, there's as much or more painterliness, I think, to be had in the wall decoration anyway, which one can see. But how do you up. know? Um, you can't see them. Uh, you can see them, that's the thing. I mean, you, you, you don't get to see what, them the in the optimum wall decoration conditions. The paintings? You don't get to have an experience of the paintings. The, oh, the canvases, so uh, you don't get to have a conventional experience of yeah. them. But you can see the image and, the, and you can get close enough to see um, at an angle um, the kind of um, texture that they might have and you have to put the two together. So it becomes a conceptual experience rather than a conventional um, uh, literal experience. Right, but I just don't know why you can, how you can say based on that that it didn't matter that you couldn't see them. It didn't matter because I've seen others and I can see that these are ones that are made to not be seen and that, um, <laughs> that I'm getting a visual experience from the walls. So did you, did you find that um, that particular kind of constraint, the, the fence, um, Yeah effective for you because I I was just thinking you know there are a million different ways one can be constrained and they're not always visible but all of the constraints in the show were visible fences cages um, did I miss it wasn't something? subtle it wasn't too subtle <laughs> no. but at the same time um, well when I when I took a group of students in there I thought what on earth are we gonna say about this and um, my mouth just opened and things came out and I realized, hey, this, this show uh, it comes ready-made with things to say about it. And um, <laughs> th th there, there is, there is there's, a, there's a good shopping list of, of, of issues here. Now, I'm not the kind of guy who likes shopping lists of issues. I like the experiences you can get standing in front of painting that's a beautiful painting that moves you to, and takes you to a new place. Um, and the experience we're gonna get with these four pictures isn't that it's it's him doing something new isn't it well that's what I think that it, it it's you know you could say it's desperate and it, okay. it fails or right. it, but I, I do think that I, I was just willing to give him credit for just sheer you know nerve and like yeah. saying you know I'm sort of at, maybe at a dead end and this is my idea of I'm going to try something just to ah. force, force something right. and I, I did feel really the, the feeling of exclusion the feeling of okay this is another corridor you know the corridor is a form in art and this is a painter trying to work with it in a certain way and you have this very real fence. You have this whole wall of total illusion, even down to the illusion of the shadow of the fence on the wall. So you, you know, like where's the light coming from? What are the, what's going on? Is there space between the shadow of the fence and these figures or are they a freeze? Is it flat? I just find the whole thing 
kind of frustrating and confusing in a way that I could not completely dismiss. Right. And in a way that I just thought, you know, it, if he sort of stalled, that was a con there was something almost sort of open about it. Uh, you know, just going right out there and, I mean, stalled is maybe, you know, you, you may all have a different word for what, it, but he's, he's at some point. I don't know if it's a difficulty. I don't know if he wants to get out of something. Uh, I read it no. quite differently. That's interesting. Uh, Dennis, I will bring you in a moment, but I just want to immediately say to Roberta that you're seeing it in terms of um, Chris Ophelia at a critical juncture in Chris Ophelia's career. I see it as Chris Ophelia is way too intelligent to know that we couldn't and wouldn't see this as a desperate act. And okay. Chris Ophelia is too good and accomplished a painter um, for him to ever really be stuck. And that actually, therefore, this is a, what one reads this as is Chris Ophelia doing a show in New York, his first since the election of Donald Trump. This is actually a British black artist saying to America, this is what you get when you build walls, etc." So I, I see this as um, maybe a heavy-handed and unsubtle political statement, but I, I don't see it as artist desperate as to where he goes next with his career. I see it as artist so fully in command of his means as an artist that he is in that privileged position which he feels animated to exercise of essentially offering a sermon um, to a, a, an audience, us. But wasn't the title something like... Uh, Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost, yeah. And it's, it's funny... I mean, my f I was like really kind of exactly where you were with that feeling, immediate feeling of exclusion. Like, not only could you not see the paintings inside this, you know, cage or wall, but you couldn't see these like really beautiful uh, painted figures that looked like, you know, you, you couldn't tell what it was and it had that, um, you know, the painted fence on top of it. And I just kept feeling like, you were constantly excluded from the aesthetics of this, and but seeing that there was something, and you, and I, I thought that was that was my first, you know, feeling of it. And then I started thinking, well, you know, that fence thing—that's a pretty easy, you know, uh, it smacked of Katie Nolan, and uh, and then there was um, somebody on the Lower East Side has got a fence up. Hmm? There's someone on the Lower East Side who has a, a nice fence up at the moment. I mean, it's sort of like a and day there was later. some where buddy um, um, in that gallery underneath Gavin Brown um, uh, in that building on Grand Street. Um, uh, Cohen, uh, Lynn, she's a Chinese artist. Lynn, I think her name is Amy um, Yao. Amy Yao, yes. At um, 47 Canal. 47 Canal, there you go. Well, chain link, it is an artistic material. You know, people are gonna- And it's in the season, who, yeah. There was an artist that, um, that showed it, uh, no, it, it was on 24th Street a couple of years ago. I actually wrote about it and I'm blanking on his name, but had all these uh, fences with these constructed paintings based on his child's drawings or something. You know the artist. Um, they were, and they were all like, or there was a chain link fence kind of, or, and everything was We're running a quiz chip. with prizes, by the way. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. I think we can I, I agree mean, that artists have used chain like right. fences before. Chain links are okay. okay? And I, I, don't but, think you know, I don't think there's anything no, here, but, really. No, and, and, but I, I had loved, the thing that I really loved about it was were those walls. I thought the walls were like incredible. And then I found out, uh, and then this is where like the sort of bigger, um, you know, gallery, um, you know, art market kind of thing comes in. He, he had done those walls in London. This was sort of an exhibit that was kind of based on London exhibit, and except that the walls didn't have the chain link fence drawing on but them the in National London. Gallery. And they're and they're based on uh, watercolors he did of Indian dancers or something. Um, but th again, you know, I started asking questions, and they said, well. The, because I was thinking about this as an installation. I mean, I kept think, you know, my whole interaction was as an installation, but it's like, well, only the paintings are for sale, and as you said, and they're $750,000 each, um, and you can't buy them, you can't see them before buying them. You have to see them like everybody else does. And I thought, well, that's sort of good that, you know, you yes, have that. Anti-connoisseurial. Right, but on the other hand, you know, it's like why have all this installation if the the things are? No, I think that's I, I, uh, Leanne. I will bring you. I'm sorry, I don't want to dominate this conversation. But I, uh, you know, you've got Tom Burkhardt, uh, who did a superb installation at Pierogi, and um, uh, Joe was explaining to me that you will. They're thinking of chopping it up, and you can buy individual bits. So how how a gallery makes its living is is their business i think our job as critics is to go in and see the show no, but you're as you're talking is. about an artistic decision yeah that people were not going to be able to get whoever buys those paintings will not get close to them before they own them that's right that's conceptually that's, important yeah i don't yes. I, and, but, and he's setting he must be setting the terms it has nothing to do with yes well, of course no but, but the, no but that's not my point my point is that we we, we don't want to get hung up about the collector, because we're not the collectors anyway. Well, yeah, but I think it make it, it makes a difference because the, they're not going to hang it on a, a chain link fence when they buy it. So it's sort of like the thing that's the focus of, you know, the main artistic thing, which is these paintings. You know, it, it has a completely different. But isn't conception. that conceptually interesting anyway? Because because when we buy. When we spend $750,000 on a contemporary painting, we're making such an absurd and extreme leap of faith anyway. It's not a, it's, it's not, it's not an, it's not a purely intuitive well, maybe you aesthetic. Would. <laughs> no, it's not a purely intuitive aesthetic decision. It's an intellectual decision. So he's reinforcing the fact that it's already conceptual art, even if it's painting. So I, I see it as being intelligently layered all the way along. And well, I would think that you would go on to then say that, I mean, I, for some reason, I didn't think about the wall. Did you think about the wall? Mm, not really. Trump's wall? No, that didn't I mean, I did sort mind. of think about Guantanamo and something like that. Guantanamo, but, but also in Australia, where they have an island just off Australia, where um, migrants are sort of fenced in and the special arrangement. Right, but now it's art that's fenced in. So is he, right. is he, is he ruling that out as something we should be thinking about now? Is he sort of saying, You're, this, this kind of pleasure is off limits? I mean, Perhaps there's, there's that possibility, isn't there? That's what I. That's kind of what I thought was that. that a, because he is a constant colorist a, and he's a black a, and white, like the news. Oh God! <laughs> then 
Okay. <laughs> and the paintings, the paintings are sort of about sex and magic. I mean, they're very, hmm. there's some kind of mysterious exchange going on between the, the two and the two. Right, mm-hmm. right. Okay, uh, I don't know. No, 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 that's... <laughs> But 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 one might also, uh, Leanne, do, uh, <laughs> I could carry on. Um. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's just interesting. Like I I didn't think about the the border wall in terms of it. Like of course I think the chain link fence. I I did think about um, prison or like the that kind of um, you know constraint or um, characterization or whatever of um, things. But yeah. Um, I'm sort of, um, yeah, the, the border wall is a new thing for me. I'm not sure that I am convinced yet, but... Uh. Not the border wall or Guantanamo or that Australian place. Uh, th- th- that's, that's, those are the connotations for me. You've got art behind walls on one side and mm-hmm. sort of religion behind walls on another side. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's something almost like Duchamp's large glass and the... the, the the crack and the uh, um, <coughs> mystical connections. There's yeah. plenty of places we could go with this. <laughs> uh, I think that's true. I think we haven't really talked about, um, you know, you mentioned it very briefly with the pairings of the paintings. Yeah. How there's, you know, like sexuality, like even the figures on the wall, like they're, they're very sensuous. There's right. this element of desire that we haven't talked about. I think that's yeah in there somewhere. The frustration of it and yeah. Yeah, even there's though the there's... Elements with the four and then there's the, they are, they are like veiled deities mm-hmm. and, and very remote from us were very remote from those those four paintings. And I think the, the forced um, like movement through it is that mm. you have to kind of move around it in this very sort of forced way uh, also g- gave me a feeling about you know being herded and exclusion and stuff. Yeah. Like I feel that this is a good moment to, to bring in our audience to discuss Joanne Carson and um, Chris O'Feely and, and um, again, I'm not going to police one after the other. We'll just take, um, we'll take your comments as they come. Um, uh, and, and before, uh, as, the, as the mic makes its way to the first speaker, let me say now, rather than leave it to the very end when there'll be a, a, a scramble to get out, we do, want to, we do want to be out of here fairly soon. And for those of you who've come uh, later, to, to reiterate that uh, our, uh, the um, One Grand Army Plaza, which is a residential building with a fabulous gallery um, uh, just over the Eastern Parkway, is hosting um, an d- after-party, a drinks party, to celebrate uh, the new season um, and give us a chance to see the exhibition there of the artist Nicola Ginzel. So, um, the mic, where is it? Great. Um, it, it seemed to me that you guys were all kind of talking around this, but to me the fence seemed very clearly to me just like a big fuck you. Like, you can't look at my work. Whoever the audience is, who is the we, the we are the people coming to the gallery, because most of America is not going to see this work. So it's mainly the collectors. It's the ones who are going to pay that $750,000. It's the people with money. And as an artist, uh, I think that even if you're at his level of artist, you feel powerless sometimes, especially with what's going on in the world right now. 
And I think that my interpretation is that that is what the fence is for. Right. An artist going on strike. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, well, um, yes, uh, please wait for the uh, mic. And not all of us are using the mic fully, so really do, don't be shy to really talk into that mic. Whoops. Yes. <laughs> um, so the, the title is Paradise Lost, and maybe I've been reading too much French literature, but I'm thinking about Flaubert and the end of sentimental education. I would think about John Milton and Paradise Lost. <laughs> I, I did, but I didn't spend my summer reading that, unfortunately, but I did read sentimental education. I was reading Proust and the whole idea of the unattainable object of desire. That at the end of sentimental education, the, they realized that the best moment in their life was when they were not able to make good on their visit to a brothel when they were young. And there's something about not being able to see that and putting us all in that example. And that the examples of paradise, while they might not be the ones that Milton describes in Paradise Lost, there are the images that are more like from the Ajanta Caves. Um, seem like, I mean, it seems like, yes, we're all kept from this object of desire, making it more so. Fantastic. Yes. But, yeah. but not in a negative way was the coda to Suzanne Jelson's comments. Thank you. So uh, I was seeing, I was looking at the uh, Ophelia show right before I came over here, um, and uh, taking into consideration the the installation, if you want to call that, with the paintings. And as I'm walking out, I, I start looking at you know the birdcage situation that hasn't really become part of the conversation uh, with the dismembered black guy on the chains and so forth and so as I walked up to it there was this woman there she said this is brilliant blah 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 and so my response is how do you know and so she says she mentions uh, Jordan Wolfson who had the you know show at Zwerner also and I immediately said oh this is very very interesting um, so she had some comments about that but I just thought I would leave it there for people to think about as a maybe a, a possible tie-in to uh, between the two the little piece and the big piece, and then also commentary on race as well. Thank you. And then pass it along. Thank you. To I just wanted to say that it seemed to me that the Ophelia show was about sports. Um, I thought that fence was like a basketball court, and the two paintings at the ends reminded me of like the Mayan Indians, and they had um, that game that they would play where they would have to get something at the end, and then if they didn't get the ball in, their head would be cut off. And um, the figures on the outside also, they seemed like uh, the spectators, mm. and we were the spectators looking in, but there was nothing there because it's all what we make of it. Fantastic, thank you, yes. Sports, playgrounds, there are many connotations beyond Guantanamo, but thank you. Let's pass it down to the lady with the bandana. So um, I guess I'd, I just want to say that I had a different connotation 
which only just came up once, and I was really surprised, and maybe I've watched too much lockup, but I really had the sensation of prison and that walkway and being corralled into that space and the idea of looking out in the world and then the prison yard, which is the one place for recreation. Um, and I, I really wasn't aware of the controversy of the paintings. I really felt that the whole thing was an installation. But it makes perfect sense to me that, you know, if you want a piece of me, you know, you will, you'll have to pay for it in, on my terms. So um, anyway, that's how I felt. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, an audience, of course, um, a panel, of course, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your attention, for your comments.